great to be speaking to you today. I'm Mary. Um, I help lead the prayer life at St. Augustine's. And kia ora to everyone who is uh, watching or listening online. So today, as we move towards Christmas, we celebrate the second week in our Advent series. Last week, Sam looked brilliantly at love. Have a listen if you haven't already. And today, I am looking at joy. Joy is a funny one, isn't it? Carols and decorations are filled with the word joy in the lead up to Christmas. Marie Kondo, the home organizer, told us to ask ourselves when clearing out clothes or items at home, does this, does it spark joy? If not, it goes. And it seems that whether things spark joy or not for us has gone beyond our house clearing and organizing and into all areas of our life adding to the consumerist culture of our society today. If something or someone doesn't spark joy, it goes. But have we really taken a close look at what joy actually means? Is it just happiness or is it more than that? Joy is not easy to describe to those who only know happiness in life. Happiness is short-lived and leaves when the circumstances in life change. Joy, however, is long-lasting, even eternal. And today, we read about Mary and her exuberant joy. In this passage, the song that Mary sings represents her song of joy in the midst of adversity in her life and in the society around her. Over centuries, this passage has come to be called the Magnificent, and it is a passage said week by week within the Western Anglican and Roman Catholic churches, and it has been set to music by composers and has been written into many, many hymns and many times. Those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament will recognize that Mary knew her scriptures well from her shout, uh, for her shout of worship and praise here is based upon the one in one Hannah. In, from Hannah in 1 Samuel 2. What we find in Mary's song is all those great prophecies in Isaiah and from the other prophets in, um, of God putting right the world. It is the heartfelt cry from Mary, a girl who was underprivileged, crying out against those who abuse their privilege, but who chooses joy. It's a heartfelt cry from Mary, a girl who was the victim of injustice against those who dispense justice in favor of their own social class, but who chooses joy. It's the heartfelt cry from Mary, a girl who knew poverty, but also knew that there should be a better sharing of wealth in the world, but who chooses joy. It's the heartfelt cry and longing from Mary, a Jewish girl, that the salvation her people looked and longed for should come into being and who chooses joy. The heartfelt cry from her pure heart that evil might come to an end from the power of God to turn it all the right way up and who chooses joy. It is the heartfelt cry of a girl, Mary, who although society and culture was against her, chose joy. That song of praise and joy is what Mary says is going to happen through the birth of Jesus and the birth of John the Baptist through her barren cousin Elizabeth. She has no idea of how it's going to happen, but that is the dream. But what God is doing through his power is fulfilling the covenant of Abraham, 
N.T. Wright, the theologian, says, Luke wants his readers and the whole Roman world to know that what is happening in Jesus is not some weird, vaguely spiritual religious event. It is the fulfillment of Israel's story, the story which began in Genesis 12 when God called Abraham a childless nomad and said, through you and your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That it is the messianic vision that that blessing will mean things being put right, things being sorted out, the arrogant and powerful being put in their place, the meek and humble of this world being set right. That is what we have to remember again and again as we read through the Gospel of Luke. But even with that promise and the knowledge of God, his word and his plans for her, once the excitement wears off, if you were Mary, would you be thankful and joyful or would you be anxious and troubled? Mary is pledged to Joseph as his wife and suddenly the angel of Gabriel tells her that she's pregnant with the Son of God who will save this world. Who's going to believe her? It's hard enough for some to accept a teenage single mother, but who would accept a far-fetched story like that? What are the chances of her marrying Joseph now, now that she's carrying somebody else's baby? If that's not difficult enough, she didn't even get to name him. Gabriel told her to name him Jesus, which means to save. After all, his purpose in life is to save the lives of God's people through his own death. But Mary didn't know all of this in advance. Instead, she knew that for her wedding celebration, instead she'll get morning sickness. Instead of a honeymoon, she has the stigma of being unmarried and pregnant. Yet Mary not only accepted the challenge, she was joyful in it too. Because joy is more than happiness. It's deep contentment. Joy results from what we think, what we do, and how we relate to others, even to God. Joy is a matter of our spirit, the part of us in relationship with God. Joy is calm, delight, peace, contentment, and fulfillment in life. It truly is a gift from God for those who believe. It flows from our faith. Mary believed and knew the plans God had for her, and they filled her with joy. The Bible reveals joy as a fruit of God's Spirit. In Galatians 5, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, joy is the result of God's Spirit working in our lives to guide our thinking, our actions, and our relationships. As we live according to God's guidance, the fruit of joy grows in our lives. So joy does not come by accident, but through our relationship to God. On Mother's Day this year, I had the privilege um, at St. Augustine's to interview Carly Robertson about the journey that her and her husband Tom and their family went on um, to Melbourne as Theo, their almost three-year-old son, awaited and then had a life-saving heart transplant operation. If you haven't listened to the interview, I would encourage you to go back and have a listen to the amazing vulnerability and honesty from Carly. But the one thing that has stayed with me from what Carly said is this bit. When I was at breaking point and didn't know what or how to pray, I had to remind myself that it was God's battle and not mine. It was a constant reminder to give up control. I also experienced deep joy despite the hardship. 
This was difficult to get my head around. How can I be feeling joy when going through such a nightmare? The verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength, was given to me too. And it was so true. There were many beautiful moments of connecting with people, falling, feeling love in a way that I had never experienced before. From my family and community, it gave me strength to keep going. Life and what's truly important was put into perspective in such a profound way, and there was joy in that. How incredible. The joy that Carly experienced could have only come from a, as a gift from God who revealed joy through his word, through the love and relationship of others, and in turn, showing Carly and Tom God's love. But for some of you here, maybe you are someone who really struggles with joy. You might be struggling at the moment in your own personal circumstances, or maybe it's not your own, but you look around the world, at the world around us, and you wonder, how on earth can we even be talking about joy? Where is the joy in the news each day with constant stories and pictures of those suffering daily from the consequences of war, crime, and violence? Where is the joy when so many of us are facing hardships with the cost of living crisis, worrying about our mortgages and our food bills? Where is the joy when there is so much divisiveness in our politics and our culture and where we feel too scared to speak out our truth for fear of immediate condemnation? This is not a good time to talk about joy. But the Bible talks an awful lot about joy. Over 150 times, others will argue more like two to 300 times. In ancient biblical Hebrew, there are a variety of words that represent joy. Each word has its own unique nuance, but they all basically refer to, refer to the feelings of joy and happiness. Now, what makes those biblical joy words interesting is noticing the kind of things that bring happiness, but also seeing how joy is a key theme that runs through the whole story of the Bible. The Bible Project, when talking about the joy of God, says, human history isn't just a joy fest. The biblical story shows how we live in a world that's been corrupted by our own selfishness. It's marked by death and loss. And this is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. It's an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. So when the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God raised up Moses to lead them into freedom. And the first thing the Israelites did was sing for joy. Even though they were in the middle of the desert, they were vulnerable. The promised land was still far, far away, but they rejoiced anyway. Later, biblical poets looked back on this story and they remembered how the Lord caused his people to leave with joy, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. This joy in the wilderness was a defining moment, a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. Like us, however, Israel was quick to forget God and lose sight of the joy of their deliverance. They so often grumbled and rebelled in the wilderness, and God has to keep recalling them back to trust in him and to be joyful. Mary's joy, like the Israelites before her, is defined by her future destiny of being chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus. 
Most of us are happy at some of the time. If we hit a really good patch in life, we might talk about joy. But for a lot of time, we chase happiness and look for ways of catching and bottling joy. Some of us who are single might think that joy will come through a long and lasting relationship and perhaps a family. But for some who are in a relationship, they think joy will come when they have a bit of space or maybe even if they are able to leave the marriage. When I asked my friends what brought them joy, one of them said, that feeling of being away for a weekend without kids, it's such a carefree and joyous feeling of freedom. I'm sure a lot of you could relate to that. This friend of mine had the freedom, but after the weekend, she had to go back home to those kids. If we're in in employment, we often are looking for the dream job, better wages, an understanding boss. But once too often, when, when we achieve that, we decide that we need to move onwards and upwards if we are able to uh, reach our new happiness goal. There is the famous phrase from President Theodore Roosevelt, comparison is the thief of joy. And how often in the world of social media and doom scrolling do we forget about the joy that we already possess and instead feel envy or compare ourselves to others? This is why Marie Kondo's formula of rejecting what doesn't bring us joy not only doesn't work in our day-to-day lives, but also why it does not express the true meaning of joy. You see, the key issue is that joy is not found in our circumstances. Joy is not in things. Joy is not even in a relationship. For all those things are temporary, and they come and go. And joy comes and goes with them. Now, I'm not saying that the Christian or non-Christian person has no joy. Of course, most people do at times experience joy. But I'm saying that the key to lasting joy is actually held in our own hands. And it can be found in just one place in our relationship with God. Mary found joy in her relationship with God and in the hope that was ahead of her through carrying her precious son, God's precious son, and what that meant for the world. Yet she would have to witness him dying on a cross. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12 too, what an amazing and almost unbelievable thing it says here about Jesus, that who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Was there joy for Jesus in people lying about him? Was there joy in being spat at? Was there joy in being flogged? Was there joy in being nailed to the cross? Of course not. But Jesus endured it all because he had a purpose, and fulfilling that purpose brought him joy. Our key in finding joy is not in the circumstances we find ourselves in, but in the purpose we set out for our lives. For joy is in the way we look at life, in our point of view, if you like. I recently felt devoured of joy and purpose. And I feel this year, I've been on a real journey of being reminded what real joy in Christ is like. In preparation for this talk, I was reading through a few of my dad's sermons, always handy. Um, And in one on joy, he said, now we are all different people. Some people seem to always be happy. They sail through life on a cloud of smiles. It's lovely for them, but it's a little bit irritating for the rest of us. As dad well knows because he made half of me, 
I am one of those irritating people. I came out the womb happy. I find it easy to be happy and joyful. These are expressions of my life of happiness. I always have done. It's easy for me to get over things and put a genuine smile back on my face. I'm very naturally resilient. So when I was given this topic, I thought maybe I'm not the best person to be sharing on it for that very reason. I didn't want to lack authenticity. But actually, this year has been super tough on our family. Brendan's dad died in January after a six-week battle with pancreatic cancer. My parents were due to come for Christmas 2020 just after Bluebell was born, but COVID ruined that. So instead, they had planned to come this year. I was so excited and couldn't wait to have my first Christmas in seven years with some of my family. But sadly, my dad was recently <clears throat> diagnosed with B-cell lymphoma, a type of blood cancer, and was told that he had to start chemotherapy immediately and definitely wouldn't be able to come to New Zealand. Sorry. <clears throat> So Christmas plans were ruined, and to replace was huge disappointment and a whole lot of tears. Then we found out that my dad's closest friend had suddenly died. <clears throat> no illness, he was fit and healthy, but suddenly gone. We've also been helping to support Brendan's mum from afar in Tauranga, who recently had a, had a really tough year, understandably losing her soulmate so suddenly and being on her own for the first time in life, age 75. Add to that, having four kids, nine years and under, and both of us working with all the stress that that can bring, I started to wonder, what am I doing with my life? I was just struggling in the day-to-day -day and questioning if church leadership really was my calling. <clears throat> the cheerful disposition that I can so normally easily reach out for hasn't been so easy to reach for. I was struggling to find joy. I was struggling to find my purpose. But then, as I shared a few weeks ago, for those of you who are here, I had the opportunity to go away with the newly formed 24-7 Prayer um, New Zealand team in the launch, for the launch of 24-7 Prayer um, in Australia and Melbourne. I went along not in a great place. In fact, before I'd left, I was in tears to my parents about how tough it is being in ministry, about how hard it is to lead and to be a Christian in today's society, especially in New Zealand, and was it all really worth it? Was I doing the right thing? And so I left with fairly low expectations about the few days ahead, aside from five days with no kids. That really is joy. But what happened over the next five, year, five days felt like a line drawn in the sand. God spoke to me through the talks and the prayers. In one case, towards the end, I was being prayed for, and my legs went beneath me as the lady praying for me quoted this verse from Esther. If you keep quiet at this time, someone else will help and save the Jewish people. But you and your father's family will all die. And who knows, you may have been chosen queen for such a time as this. I could choose God's plans or my own. He could choose me or he could use someone else for those same plans. Little did she know that 15 years earlier, at a previous junction in my life, also one full of doubt, another stranger had also spoken that very same verse over me. And God had then also asked me that same question, 
my plans or yours. Use you, use someone else. The repeated verse, 15 years apart from two strangers, assured me that God does have plans for me, that the path I'm on is the right one. Over the weekend, there was affirmation after affirmation that God is for me, that God has my future in hand, that there is power in prayer through the Holy Spirit. And I came away feeling like me again with that God-given contentment of his joy. None of my circumstances at home had changed. Everything was the same as it had been on the Thursday when I left. But I had met God in a deep way because I had chosen to engage with him. I turned to him and I said yes again to him. Yet I felt like I'd done a full 180 on my return. It was like chalk and cheese night and day. I felt that joy that can only come through a relationship with God back in my soul. It was my choice if I chose his plans or my own. I said yes to God's plans for my life. Mary was the first person to ever say yes to Jesus, the first ever Christian as we understand the term. As we noted earlier, her circumstances and her future ahead seemed dire, yet she was filled with the life-changing joy of the Spirit in amongst it all. At present, we may well be encountering things that we don't enjoy, things that don't bring us happiness. But we should feel encouraged to set our direction in a way that is not dependent upon our own circumstances but rather dependent upon our knowledge of God, dependent upon our walk with Jesus, dependent upon our openness to the Holy Spirit. Just as Mary received joy through the gift of being the mother of God's son, we can too find joy in the truth that God loves us. Jesus shows this through his death on the cross. As Mary found joy in the love that God bestowed on her, this vulnerable, humble, and very normal young girl, we find that God has called us to walk in his way of love. And just as Mary found joy through serving God with all that she had, so we find joy that there is always some service that we can offer him. Don't let things People, comparisons, or superficial aspirations rob or control you of your joy. Make the choice today to allow and trust God into all of your life circumstances and place him first to allow his joy to enter your life. The joy of the Lord was Carly's strength in the darkest time in her life. I reclaimed my joy through entering, encountering and being open to hearing God through prayer. And at a time when the world and society would have been openly against her, Mary's soul magnified the Lord. Her spirit rejoiced in her God and Savior. Jesus counted even dying on the cross to be joy. In the midst of all that is going on for you right now, in a world that can seem so destitute and broken and absent of joy, 
I challenge you this Advent season to seek out your heavenly Father who entered this world as a young and vulnerable baby, whose power and love through your relationship with him can bring you a magnitude of joy that is more than you can ever imagine. Mary said yes to God's call upon her life. Will you also say yes to him this morning? Let's stand as we pray. Father God, we just thank you that your spirit is with us now. Lord, we think of our world where there is so much brokenness, where there is so much sadness, where it seems that people are so against each other, where it just seems darkness, Lord. May your light shine. And the despair and the heartache, may you bring your comfort and joy. Lord, in this Advent season where um, so many of us are moving into it in excitement and, and with those feelings of anticipation, Father, we think of those countries where there is war, where there is fear. Lord, we do not know know what to do but to cry out to you to intervene. To bring your love, joy, peace, and hope. We cling to the promise of the birth of Jesus, of him dying the cross, and what that means for eternity for this world. Lord, bring people to unite together, not to divide. And Lord, in all our areas of life where we're struggling, where maybe the next few months are are ones that we are fearful of rather than hopeful, Lord, may you bring glimmers of joy. May you um, help us to reach out to you, Lord. May we connect with you. May our relationship with you get deeper. May we draw to you in those times of despair and not away. For the joy that comes through knowing you, through the joy that comes from you dying on the cross and giving life eternal, Lord. May you give that to us today through meeting with you through your Holy Spirit. Amen.